I don't think it's too complicated. I think he had his desire to destabilize us and others. And, you know, he's not exactly uh, fond of strong women. Uh, so you add that together, and that's pretty much what it, uh, what it means. Do you ever, like, have a day, like a bad day, но все-таки в нашем культурном коде есть некоторые ценности, которые, я считаю, являются для нас основополагающими. У нас женщина остается женщиной. Мужчина остается мужчиной. Вот, слава богу, у нас нет такого смешения понятий. Вот у нас в голове, в душе и в нашем культурном коде. In those days, spirits were brave, the stakes were high. Men were real men, women were real women. And small fairy creatures from Alpha Centauri were real small fairy creatures from Alpha Centauri. In February, Putin was on stage at an economic conference in Moscow, where billionaire Vladimir Lysin told a joke about raping a blacksmith. Putin laughed, but didn't like that the punchline was homoerotic, and he told Lysin he should change it to be about raping a milkmaid. In October 2006, Putin notoriously joked about the rape charges against Israel's then-president, telling the Israeli prime minister, Say hello to your president. He really surprised us. I met him. He didn't look like a guy who could be with ten women. All this is to say that Putin has a steady record of saying sexist and traditionalist things about men, women, and gender. Most days, his remarks about women staying women would be folksy boilerplate and little more. Things are a bit different this time, however, with sexual harassment allegations gaining steam against Leonid Slitsky, the unbeautifully named head of the State Duma's Committee on Foreign Affairs. In the context of the Slitsky scandal, Putin's failure to offer anything but more smiles and grins about women remaining women is quite telling. But his silence on the issue isn't half as shocking as the vocal support Slitsky's received from his colleagues in the parliament. So what am I going to talk about on today's episode of The Russia Guy? First, who exactly has accused Leonid Slutsky of what exactly? How have Slutsky's colleagues in the legislature responded to the allegations? And finally, what legal recourse do journalists in Russia have against sexual harassment? At the time that I'm recording this, five women journalists have said Leonid Slutsky flirted with them inappropriately and groped them over the years. On February 22nd, the independent TV channel Dozhd, which is still the only television station in Russia to report the charges against Slutsky, Dozhd revealed that three reporters were anonymously accusing Slutsky of sexual harassment. Afterwards, another two reporters came forward with similar allegations. RTVI 
Deputy Chief Editor Yekaterina Kachakadze, and Doge producer Daria Zhuk. Then, one of the first three women, BBC correspondent Farida Rustamova, restated her charges against Slutsky, this time openly, revealing that she also has an audio recording of him coming on to her in his office and calling her Little Bunny. When Rustamova told him that she had a boyfriend, Slutsky answered, That's great. You'll be his wife and my mistress. Near the end of their conversation, Rustamova says Slutsky placed his hand above her vagina and refused to stop when she asked him to. After coming forward, Rustamova wrote on Facebook that she fears for her safety now because Slutsky has what she calls powerful friends, though she clarified that she hasn't actually received any threats or anything like that. Slutsky, meanwhile, has dismissed the charges against him as a low-level provocation that he says actually has boosted his prestige in the parliament, though he's simultaneously admitted to feeling up women a little bit. On social media, he's joked about finding journalist girls for fellow lawmakers. That there are fellow lawmakers willing to participate in such jokes gives you some indication of the support Slutsky's found in the Duma. Not a single member of parliament has denounced him personally, and most deputies, even several women, are standing by him, even after Rustamova's audio tape, which the BBC admittedly has only summarized and not released outright. The most outrageous response so far comes from the Duma's highest official, Speaker Vyacheslav Volodin, who previously tried to sound concerned about the allegations, saying in late February that the incidents that have been voiced cannot but worry us. Volodin has been eager to kick the issue down the road, however, to after the presidential election on March 18th, probably hoping that the buzz will die down by then. When confronted with Rustamova's audio recording on March 7th, Volodin lost his cool and said, Do you find it dangerous to work in the Duma? If so, find a new job. The remark was so dismissive that the newspaper Velimisti published an editorial later in the day, arguing that Volodin's comment and the muted reactions of other Duma members besmirch the parliament's already miserable reputation and make it clear that Russia's lawmakers think of society with a caste system mentality, where they're unaccountable for protecting anyone in the public, especially when the guilty person is someone from the ruling class. And what are some of the other reactions from Duma deputies? Well, the firebrand clown Vladimir Zhidanovsky, who heads LDPR, which is Slutsky's political party, initially promised to look into the allegations, but later he started arguing that journalists are only raising the charges now in order to derail his presidential campaign. Tamara Pletneva, the head of the Duma's Committee on Family Affairs, has suggested that journalists are inviting sexual attention by dressing revealingly, and she also stated that she believes women and men have enjoyed equal rights in Russia since the Bolshevik Revolution. Irina Rodina, a member of the Duma's Ethics Committee, responded to the Slutsky scandal, by expressing her doubts about the allegations against Harvey Weinstein, okay? And LDPR's faction leader in the Duma, Igor Lebedev, Zhidanovsky's son, wants Slutsky's accusers tried for defamation. Pavel Gusev, the head of the Moscow Journalist Union, said Yekaterina Katrikadze's accusations against Slutsky make him laugh. And after Rustamovo came forward, Gusev promised to investigate her and the other women journalists harassed by Slutsky for supposedly behaving unethically by waiting years to tell their editors. So this is the unsupportive environment in Parliament. But what are these journalists' full legal options against Slutsky? Last week, Medusa put exactly this question to Anna Rivena, a legal sciences scholar and the head of the Nasilio Nyet, No to Violence Project. In a nutshell, here's what she said. First, 
There's no article concerning harassment in either Russia's criminal code or its code of administrative offenses. Russia's criminal code does contain Article 133, which prohibits coercive actions of a sexual nature. In theory, the women who say they were harassed by Slutsky could sue under this article, since he had a certain authority over them as the chairman of a state Duma committee. Unfortunately, the absence of precedent law in Russia, and the lack of any established practice in this area, means they could only try to use Article 133, and there's no guarantee how a court would rule. Article 3 of the Russian Labor Code says nobody's labor rights or freedoms can be restricted on the basis of their sex and other circumstances unrelated to their professional qualities. Slutsky's behavior arguably obstructed these women from doing their jobs fully. A person subject to labor discrimination can go to court and demand restoration of their rights, uh, reimbursement for material damages, and compensation for moral damages. But Slutsky can't be sued unless he's stripped of his parliamentary immunity. That can't be taken away unless investigators notify the Attorney General's office, which then must appeal to a chamber of the Federal Assembly. If the chamber decides that no wrongdoing was committed, it clears the deputy of the charges, making it impossible to strip them of immunity unless new circumstances arise. If the chamber says there was an infraction, the deputy in question has to answer for it in court. What we're waiting on now is the Duma's Ethics Committee, which considers cases where deputies employ crude, insulting language, uh, make unfounded accusations, use information that they know to be false, call for illegal actions, or violate generally accepted ethical norms of behavior in some other way. The head of the committee says it will consider the allegations against Lutsky later in the month, after the presidential election. But some people are worried that the scandal will have blown over in the aftermath of Putin's glorious re-election. So now you know how Leonid Slutsky harassed multiple journalists working in Russia's parliamentary press pool. You know how his Duma colleagues have largely supported him and ridiculed the allegations. And you know what these women's legal options are. But what's the gist of this? Is the situation as hopeless as it seems? It will be difficult to keep the spotlight on Slutsky, especially after the presidential election and all the inevitable headlines about voting irregularities, anti-Kremlin protests, and the formation of Putin's next cabinet. There are signs, however, that Russian political culture is changing. On March 7th, not directly related to the Slutsky scandal, a graduate student in St. Petersburg papered the International Relations Department of her university with posters bearing the sexist comments of her teachers. The university's administration hasn't exactly welcomed the opportunity to discuss the faculty's attitudes about gender, but the story shows how efforts in Russia to talk openly about sexism and sexual harassment aren't limited to the campaign against one lecherous lawmaker. Погадать на короля. Ой-ля-ля, ой-ля-ля.